expounded universe. I don't remember if we do the intros on these wrap-ups or not, so play the fucking music. everybody welcome back to expounded universe the star wars expanded universe novel discussion podcast i'm your ever tired host jeff joined as always by my good friend and the other host of the show john john how are you i'm tired you too huh yeah just a real sleepy baby today oh i'm sorry to hear that i i have actually been dealing with a real sleepy baby today all day long she has been just Oh, just just having a time of it, poor little girl. That that's unfortunate. Yeah, but you know, it's okay because now I'm recording a podcast and she's off somewhere, presumably fine. <laughs> so, <You'd hope. laughs> hey, yeah, that's as close as I can hope, right? I mean, I she's presumably fine. Yeah, but, you know, also, I mean, sometimes I, you just gotta let them leave the nest. That's exactly how it is. Last I saw her, I had thrown her into a pool and wandered off while lighting a cigarette and not looking back. Indeed. I'm sure she's great. I'm sure everything worked out for the best. Every baby's a good swimmer. It's nature. Duh. Yeah, they come out knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think that you think that cover from that Nirvana album was like a fluke or a, a digital manipulation in some way? No, that baby was hungry for a dollar. So hungry for a dollar. Mm-hmm. That baby was like, give me that fucking dollar. I'll swim for it. I don't care. Gimme. Real photo. And Geddes took that photo. <laughs> yeah. So, how? well, I already asked you. You're fine. You're sleepy. We just finished reading Jedi Search, John. We did. We finished it, and it's done now. Mm-hmm. Do you want to keep doing the trilogy? I have the other two. No. I don't. Oh, damn it. I caught, I spent like $28 on that. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> sucks to be you. Sure does. Don't worry. I'll take 14 of those 28 out of our shared income. Oh, no. Actually, I, did, I, I didn't buy those. I don't even remember what they're called. Uh, I Jedi and Jedi's times. Yeah, it's, it's, a high, it's Fast Times at Jedi High is the third one. Oh, man. Who wouldn't read that? It does sound pretty great, although I, I don't trust any given author we've encountered so far to do the, the pool scene, I'll be honest. <laughs> Dala's ponderous, copper-colored, fiery breast wrapped around her entire body like a trail of burning copper. Oh, no. It was very weird. She looks like a Kingdom Death miniature. <laughs> everyone was real freaked out about it let me tell you <laughs> they were at first and then she was like it was also super hard to come up in the empires the world's first long-breasted alien that's right normally in the empire. <laughs> normally <laughs> the emperor is real prejudiced against long-breasted aliens yeah which is crazy considering his choice of uh of four switch dates <laughs> but, you know, wh who am I to judge, right? Right? Uh, oh, wait, I'm Jeff. And that's John. Hi, everybody. Hi, welcome to Expounded Universe. <laughs> there we go. We'll just use that one. Uh, These wrap-up episodes are tricky, because we have to discuss what we thought of the book as a whole. 
Uh, and then we are going to go into a brief discussion about uh, the next book at the end. But we'll also do a little question and answer session from listeners. And I think we actually had a reasonable crop of questions come up here. Yeah, and oh, it's real gosh. difficult this time around because we're so drunk. <laughs> I can I be honest. I I uh, my when I got assigned an endocrinology appointment by my doctor about three months ago, I asked if I should quit drinking until the uh, until the appointment. And they said, "Yeah, that's probably a good idea." And I took him to face value, not thinking that the medical system around here would just be kicking me back and forth like a football being pulled out from in front of uh, Charlie Brown for months and months and months. Uh, and, and so I just have stopped drinking. Mm. I mean, it's not like I ever actually drank more than a cider or two a week, but uh, but now I've just completely quit. Yeah, well, you know, that's fine. That's good. Yeah. I guess. Good for me. I'm off caffeine and the sauce. All I right. have no joys left except for my kid. Yay! <laughs> and heroin. And, and the love of my family and friends. Oh, yeah, that's everything. And heroin. And heroin and also some uh, some cocaine from time to time. From time to time. You know, to even out the heroin. Uh-huh, yeah. That's right. Heroin's kind of a jaggedy high, and the heroin makes it... Oh, wait, the cocaine it makes it smooth it out a little bit. That's what everyone always says about cocaine, is that it's a smoothing drug. Well, yeah, because the heroin's going to mellow you way down, so you need mm -hmm. to bring yourself just up a little bit with some coke. Oh, is that this what is drug talk with System Mastery. <laughs> with me, the, the person who doesn't know the difference between these drugs. I didn't pay that much attention to Dare, and then I just didn't do drugs. Ah, well, you should have watched Breaking Bad. No, you shouldn't have. Uh, I I watched up until they melted a guy in a bathtub, and then uh, my girlfriend didn't want to watch anymore, and I was like, whatever, I want to watch what you do. So that's the end of Breaking Bad for me. Yeah, I watched all of it and was like, okay. Good. I'm glad to hear it. It was an okay show, and you were like, okay? Yeah. Because of how okay it was? It was definitely a show. Coming next on t on TV Mastery. Yep, coming next, Breaking Bad, where I will give all of my opinions about how I'm not a super fan of this show, and people can hate me for it. Yay! Uh, so, Jedi Search, do, uh, do we feel now, after having read it, how do we feel about it as a whole? I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I think, not a good book, but definitely one of the better ones we've had, because things happen. Which is weird, given that it's like, oh, this is the first in a trilogy of books, and normally when you have to get the entire plot in one book, they'll fucking drag their ass over everything. But in this, you get, like, right from the get-go, you know, Han shot down, crashing on a planet, you've got, you know, nonsense happening with, uh, like, Luke, of course, Leia's not doing anything, and that sucked, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, you're right. I think uh, this book definitely hits the ground running. Uh, now, granted, every book that we've read so far has done Leia dirty. It's true. I, There's I don't... yet to be one that you're like, yeah, good job. You understood that character. I'm so excited to read more about Leia instead of I'm so mad about Leia. Every time there is a Leia chapter, I'm just angrily reading it. The closest I've come to being happy with her so far at all, and this is what, like our 11th book or something like that, is the one time she needs Shizor in the balls. Ah. And absolutely everything else has been a disgrace. They either 
that book wrote her as dumb. Remember when they, that was the one where she had to have uh, grenades explained to her. Yeah. Even though she was the only person in the movie ever to wield a grenade. Indeed. Here, this <laughs> but, is what uh, a thermal detonator is. Yeah, I, uh, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm the canonical person who knows what they are. You have never seen one as far as movie go- going audiences know. Uh, uh, so irritating. This is just no exception on that front. It, it makes her out to be yeah. unnecessarily grumpy, uh, unreasonable, very unreasonable in particular, given that she could easily hire nannies and or droids to her heart's content. Yeah, and that, Which, I mean, we we talked about it during the book, but the fact that they want to put Leia in both a situation where it's like, oh, I'm, I just, I'm a... I'm a mom trying to have it all, and I, I just, I'm so overwhelmed with work and kids, and you're like, you have all the stuff that you want. Yeah, no, she's vastly wealthy. I mean, they they, they, they talked about it in this episode. She has, like, a really nice apartment that used to be the Emperor's. I mean, she's doing great for herself. It's just so weird that that she has picked this moment to be like, I want my kids back. Oh, God, it's so inconvenient to have my kids back. It's... Uh, it's a shame I took them out of the incredibly complicated social structure I built for them earlier for their own safety and for their own upbringing. Yeah, it's, it's like her her selfishness sets her own problems into motion in this in this book. Well, the I mean, the other thing is we did have that point in one of the chapters where she mentions having an assistant that was dealing with something for her. And it's just so weird that you're like, then why don't you have anything else like your assistant apparently doesn't take care of anything for you because you get fucking calls from anyone yeah that is true the fact that she has some sort of like aid i think she said she has specifically who doesn't screen calls for her doesn't seem to take notes doesn't hire anyone that she needs hired like what is this aid even doing yeah apparently uh contacted one group once good job yeah. So, but yeah, there is exciting stuff going on. I mean, like uh, Luke in particular manages to work in three or four different stories in this book. True. He goes True. He goes to one planet. He goes to a different planet. He goes back home to, to yell at Leia some. He goes to a third planet. He's zipping around. He's doing things. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, I kind of appreciate Lando in this just for having the point where Lando, you know, until the end of the book, is just, you know, able to be kind of himself and go around and be like, I'm going to get in adventures, I can do stuff, I'm not just here to be, you know, in charge of a facility, I can actually be a dynamic character that gets stuff done, and then, you know, the end of the book, they just sort of immediately go, ah, here's a million dollars, go buy yourself a mining installation somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not a huge fan of Lando's arc in this book, because it starts with him being like, hey, I lost whatever mining facility, don't worry about it, there's no need to look it up. Anyway, I just want to do fun shit for a while, because who cares? Oh, a million dollars, okay, well, that's it for me! Yeah, the fact that they were like, oh, what's the arc for him? Oh, he's just a temporarily embarrassed millionaire, and then the universe realizes that and gives him a million dollars. 
Yeah, I feel like that's one of the unspoken problems I usually have with Kevin J. Anderson when I was... Because one of the questions we're going to be faced with today is, is Kevin J. Anderson as bad as I've been hyping him up to be for the many years that this show has existed? And one of the problems I have is that a lot of his solutions and viewpoints are just like a child's idea of of, uh, a basic story writing. And in that case, it's like, well, how do we deal with Lando? Lando's not rich anymore. Oh, that's sad. Then someone gives him a million dollars exactly, and he's rich again. Oh, he grew a big mustache, and now he's got his fingers in his suspenders. (laughs) The one thing I was thinking about in here uh, when we were going over that whole, like, I've got 500,000 credits to invest in or whatever, and, you know, sure, 500,000 credits, that's... You know, that's some money, but I can't help but think if they're going to make him go buy a mining operation somewhere, isn't that going to be just ridiculously expensive, like way more than one million would get you? Oh, no, absolutely. If you think we we, we know a couple of basics of uh, what money is worth in the, in the Star Wars galaxy, uh, based entirely on our, our knowledge of what it costs to assemble a band, which is 500 credits, uh, including uh, per, uh, tickets off planet. Uh, we also know the cost yep. of a Guri robot. That is 18 million credits. Yeah. So I'm sorry, 9 million credits. So what we know is that he received a pr- he was pretending to have about one 18th of what it would cost to build a Guri. And that's that's how uh, how desperate Morith Duel was for that money. And you're right. A million cra- when we learned the the few things we knew about the Bespin station that it has like thirty thousand uh, turbo engines that are keeping it afloat, and I'm like, well, if those things cost like I don't know, like five credits a piece, then sure, I guess you could probably build another one with a million. Yeah, because all but- of his mining shit is far too complicated. You know, he's got a floating city. He's got a mining facility that walks around a planet uh he's got one that's just like yeah we hang out in the middle of a fucking asteroid field and mine asteroids with super force fields we project and you're like just go to a planet and get a drill how about that yeah the the uh the Nicklon mining facility i had honestly forgotten how goddamn silly it was it doesn't just walk around it's mounted on the back of 40 elephants i mean adats it's on the back of 40 adats yeah each so, one larger than the last <laughs> the mining facility's at a horrible slopey angle no there's just the last one is very tiny oh okay so, the, yeah, the last one in particular. So, really, it's 39 plus a little cute one. Yeah, plus the little baby one that follows around. <laughs> the Dumbo of the Nikolon Mining Facility. He was built <laughs> with giant there robot for ears. support. <laughs> Most of those robot ad-ass just make fun of him. <laughs> That's always been one of my favorite Im- images of, in Star Wars, is the 40 ad-ats being used to carry around a chunk of old Star Destroyer as a mining facility because it really speaks to what these books often work with, which is chunks of the movies. Yeah. like uh, it, It's not enough to just be like, oh, it's a robot walking facility. It's it's on, I don't know, huge treads or something, and it just goes around the planet in circles. It's like, nope, got to use things from the movies. In the movies, there were these robo-camels, so it's mounted on robo-camels. And also, it can't just be a facility we built, it's got to be a chunk of a thing we already know. 
Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I have a, a place in my heart for how blatant that silly thing was. And that was done under the Zon books. Yeah, that's, <sighs> I mean, at least I'll give it that it evokes an image in your head that's very strange. You're like, that's going <laughs> to stick with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... <laughs> So, okay, also, we've got to deal with what the Han arc was like in this book. Uh, I mean, Han's arc largely is a fun, rip-roaring adventure, right? He goes someplace, he gets caught, he gets thrown into prison, he engineers a daring escape, and then another daring escape, and then a third daring escape, and then he's done with the book. Yeah, but the Han but stuff really, is probably the best in here. Yeah, it's just a series of daring escapes. It's fantastic. It's fi- it would have been fine all by itself. It does, unfortunately, have the problem of being bookended by the Leia arc, where every time he's like, and now I'm in even worse prison adventures, we have to check in with her, and she's like, I guarantee you, he's just drunk. That drunk lout is probably out gambling somewhere, having the time of his life, while I'm here suffering, having to have a droid take care of my kids while I lounge in, I don't know, a giant floofy dressing gown and have sandwiches brought to me by a floating droid. <laughs> I like the, you could have just finished it with, he's off gallivanting around with his friends while I have to have my children raised by a droid in earshot. <laughs> I oh, have it's to a, it, hear them cry. Are you kidding me? <laughs> whose idea was this mon mothma doesn't have to deal with this shit <laughs> so uh so yeah i mean there's a lot of fun stories in this book and uh, i think this is also one that doesn't character assassinate chewbacca he's not bored at any point and he is instead angry and kind of motivated on his own and has his own little storyline even i mean the fact that they don't get really into it beside like part of one chapter where he's just like i'm so angry that like all of these other wookies are enslaved here and i have an entire motivation now of i gotta free these wookies and that's great i love to see any time they're like oh yeah chewbacca's got an opinion and wants to do something that he wants to do and isn't just following Han. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, ordinarily, we've gotten so used to Chewbacca basically just being kind of the authors don't want to have to give him any dialogue or motivations because then they have to, you know, it, it takes extra steps. Chewbacca has to do a half moan, half gargle or a half growl, half hoot or whatever the fuck they're going to use for the description this time. Sometimes they'll just write it out. So he'll say things like horn, horn. Uh, but someone always has to be like, you're right, Chewie. That thing you just said, but in English. So we don't see his motivation especially often, and that was honestly kind of nice with the rare occasions it happened in here. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. So you want to answer some? Oh, want to answer some questions? I mean, might as well. Yeah, we got them. Yeah. We can. You know what? Let's get one more wrap up out of the way. The Sun Crusher. Did it live up to your expectations? The Sun Crusher as a concept is awful. <laughs> the Yeah. The whole thing with the Sun Crusher of it being 
just like, what's this? Oh, it's just a ship, but it's inv- invincible and it has a weapon that's better than the Death Star is, like you were mentioning with Kevin J. Anderson, a child's idea of escalation. Yes, exactly. It, it, it really feels like a child's idea of escalation. What, you know, again, the, the weird thing is, on the tail end of this book, having read it now as an adult, I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. Anderson can do basic hack writing uh, consistently, and he can hit marks. Like, there's adventure stories in this book. There's Jedi stuff in this book. It's not just a boring slog where a magician explains how mad she is at the Empire. And we've read that already. We've read Crystal Star. <laughs> Uh, so there's, there's everything you need for it to be a rip roaring story. The problem is the actual beats, like the, the assembled pieces are just children toys. Oh, an even better death star, an extra death star. Uh, Lando wins a million dollars cause he catches a runaway boyfriend. It's just, it's just silly. Yeah. And there's it's something Star Wars to be said silly. for silly stories in Star Wars but it's when you're like, I'm going to tell something silly, but I think that it's super serious. That is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably like Anderson a lot more if I knew that these whole books were written like as a gag. He was just put, seeing how far he could get away with writing something. Oh, I'll put in something called the Sun Crusher. That'll make them stop me. Wait, they didn't? <laughs> All right. Well, now I've got the galaxy fucker. Huh? What about that? <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The Michael A. Stackpole came up with the Galaxy Fucker six books ago. Damn it! It was defeated by an Ewok uh. dressed as a Jawa. <laughs> well, that's perfect. I do kind of want to see that now. Uh, uh, okay, right. so now I, now I think it's okay for us to get into these questions. I, we've got quite a few. Uh, we asked people to use the hashtag Jedi Search over on our our Discord. Uh, which is always the best way to get a hold of us if you want to ask us any questions about any of the shows. Uh, and I guess we can just get started. Hell yeah. Why don't you take the first question today, John? All right. First question. And shove it. What's your lightsaber look like? Stupid slash cool customization options from Swator are on the table. Man, uh, if I'm actually answering what my Swator lightsaber looked like back when I quit playing Swator... Uh, it was the, the one Jedi pl- character I had, had uh, the colors were almond and teal, I want to say, or salmon and teal or something like that. It was the stupidest name for a color combination on the crystal. Woof. Uh, yeah, no, it, it looked like a seventies bathroom. That was a lightsaber. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, I, I had picked it intentionally because no one else ever used it. It was cheap as dirt and oh my God, was it ever ugly. <laughs> I mean, that's why you could get it cheap as dirt. Everyone's exactly. like, Ew. yeah, yeah. And I had a lightsaber that I had picked up out of some box I got for free because I was a subscriber that added a lens flare effect to the base where the lightsaber came out of the little housing, which is great. It was that was kind of the the free the the premium of Swator was you could sometimes get a lightsaber that did a little extra something something with the light effects, like maybe it had crackly ripples on it or something. Yeah. Now and I got I got the auto lens flare one that made it look like it was from the old movie posters, except nice. salmon and teal. <laughs> uh now my lightsaber obviously is going to be a. Uh, I would have a black core on it, obviously, uh, with a obviously. white shimmery outline on it. 
Oh, perfect. Yeah, that way it looks more yeah, like bird Yeah, it'll poop. be great. And then I'll hit someone and be like, that was mm-hmm. good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm like, I'm picturing a, a white ring around a black court, and I know that was one of the things you could get in Star in Swator. Uh, but to me, I, I hear that, and my immediate thought is, ew, a Mike and Ike. I do not want this item. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the Blyke... Blyke? Blyke and Ikes? Yeah, the Blyke. The bl- it's called the yeah, black saber. The black with white uh, outline lightsaber was so expensive in that game. Well, yeah, because black and white are the edgy choices of champions. I know, and since I'm such an edge lord, pr- I figure I should have that. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're well regarded as as one of the uh, leading edge lords in internet circles to this, to this day. day. This very day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and no further. Yeah, scholars, scholars. <laughs> this is the end. Are you? Are, do you have something to declare? Yes, I, I would like to declare. I was never actually an edge lord. It was all rumors. I love cupcakes and puppies and smiles. I shall edge nor lord no longer. <laughs> but then, but wait, hold on. What about your musical choices? Do you still love the works of Chevelle? I mean, I I love all the music. I definitely have a mix CD that I made called Emo Bullshit, so, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's good. Yeah, well, I knew you were on an Emo Bullshit kick for quite a while, so that's not too surprising to me. Uh, I had earlier just been describing what my actual my Jedi looked like with a lightsaber, and given the choice, if I were building a lightsaber for myself, I'm kind of a classic guy, so I might just want a generic lightsaber from the olden days, black base housing that spits up a, a cool color. That'd be good enough for me. Just spits it right up. Maybe brown. Maybe I want that Oud Benar lightsaber that just looks like a glowing turd. <laughs> Maybe. So give me that. Just give me give me a glowing bright brown lightsaber uh, so that everyone will know it's me on arrival. And I'll take it. I'm gonna. My lightsaber is uh, see-through. You can't actually see the blade, so when I use it, no one knows. And then I'm like, "Ha! You can't defend against me." <laughs> I took Kylo Ren's hilt and I extended it several times around the circumference of the blade, so I have a basket hilt instead, made of lightsabers. Yeah. And then each one of the uh, the lightsaber hilt ends ends in another little lightsaber that sticks up again. So they all point forward, and it really it's more like a light sigh that's circular for some reason. And that's that's super awesome, and I think everyone will agree. I think we can all agree that this amalgamation of various bits is super cool and rad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The other thing I really want to get into when describing my lightsaber is the girth of the thing. It's so girthy. So I'm going to have a black lightsaber, and there's just going to be some some veins of color running through it. Just a real good, thick, veiny lightsaber. I, I, I'm honestly proud of us that we made it three minutes before making it into penis jokes. Well, you know. We, we went a long <laughs> way. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I Yeah, I'm not especially... I I, I kind of like the Darth Maul-style double lightsaber, but not so much that I would personally want one. I've always been a classic at heart. Yeah, I would get Dooku's. Anyway, that's uh, those are cool, right? The yeah. fencing sabers? That's, that's the kind of handle yeah. I would want. Dooku or Ventress, they both have those, and those are good sabers. I, I gotta say, good sabers for good boys. Good. And girls. 
Uh, okay, that was a question from Neon Glitchwitch. Thanks. Hey, let's go on to the one from Revengeful Lobster. Uh, you have both been recruited to assemble rival four pilot squadrons for the New Republic and the Emperor, just like the new hot video game, Star Wars Squadrons, which I'll be honest, I have not bought because I'm still playing Hades. True. Jesus Christ, Achilles, get over yourself and go hook up with your boyfriend again. Uh. Using only side characters from the books you've read and weirdos you found on Wikipedia, who do you recruit to fly for your faction? What ships do you make each character fly? And why would your squadron definitely beat your co-host squadron? Uh, time period is not a factor. You can take anyone from any point. I mean... I figure... Like, part of me wants to just be like, well, obviously I'll get just the best pilots that there are, just slam them into a group with the best vehicles that there are you're just gonna be like i want i want cornhorn kip duran fucking wedge luke skywalker yeah just just to give them all a nice e-wing because that's the or the jedi x-wings the x-wing jxls or whatever yeah give them the super badass versions of the things they're good at already mm-hmm Perfectly fine, uh, but I'm going to go a little off off the beaten path here because this is a chance to bring in Wikipedia bullshit that we otherwise normally don't talk about. I want Valentine Farfalla on my team. Okay, and I do, and I want his ship to be his regular ship, which is just a big wooden sky ship. So I'd like a curly haired Roman emperor looking Celtic fawn on my team who flies a sky pirate ship into battle, uh, and that's my first dude. Uh, Let's see. I think I would also probably want, oh, I'm going to say Lobaka, Chewbacca's cousin in the Sun Crusher, because he does fly it at one a, point. A, 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 Sun Crusher is cheating. Oh, I didn't read the last sentence. The Sun Crusher is cheating. Oh, no. You're, you've cheated, uh, okay, and well, you are disqualified. Case, I've cheated. Uh, yeah, well, that doesn't mean you win. That just means yeah, I lose. Which means I win. No, it just means you don't even yeah. get to compete. I don't have to, because I won. Hmm? Uh, anyway, I want to round out my squadron with Mickey Mouse in a uh, classic X-Wing that does not have a canopy, so you can see more of Mickey Mouse when he flies it. Yeah. Santa Claus. And I'm going to say... In his classic Bo sleigh. Boba Fett as his... <laughs> yes. And Santa Claus in his classic sleigh, but not from Disney or from Star Wars, but from Coke. Like the Coca-Cola version of Santa Claus, yes. please. I was going to say my final one was going to be Boba Fett as he appeared in the vehicular combat destruction game, Star Wars Super... No, Star Wars Demolition. Ah. But honestly, J uh, Jar Jar flying a tank from from uh, Super Bombad Racing is also pretty high up my flying list. Flying a tank. Yeah, Super Bombad Racing was a, a, a big head mode kart race game that was on PlayStation uh, because the PlayStation during the uh, prequel era was a dark time for star wars video games it's true there was a that was a, just a yeah. dark time for the licensed video games in general yeah there, i mean you never hear people talk about the the playstation one stable of star wars shit because it was like masters of teros kazi super bombad racing demolition some some top-down uh you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Any RTS game, but way slower and more boring. Ah. Good times. Good times, everybody. Okay, then there's a long list of people asking each other or asking us to answer other people's questions. Well, it's and all, then 
it's Actually, all it's your just turn, uh, wanting us to answer typo's question please describe your force sensitive ocs that luke would find in your self-insert fanfic for this book oh god damn it i don't do you you want us to make ocs okay yeah and they have to be force sensitive sure. ocs uh, that get taken to the jedi academy uh i i guess it's well man i'm not the kind of person who really fantasizes about myself being in any of these places because i suck so i don't i don't want to be there rescuing the problems see the thing is i think your mind would probably be that i would actually be what they thought the uh um gull guy was which is just me winning at gambling and mm, like okay. not knowing that i'm using the force but just sort of like constantly winning and living it up in like a you know the vegas equivalent <laughs> yeah um yeah. vegas but like old but like old strip still because you're not you're not trying to like be a super oh, high no. roller here i would be in you know the kind of smoky bullshit sabak den that you would normally find han in but i'd be overplaying like some dumb bullshit game i'd be playing like star wars Pygow and be like yeah i won again <laughs> sir welcome to space binions sorry the every square inch of this place smells That's like death okay. sticks <laughs> i get it can i have a space <laughs> rum and coke thanks uh the house act is we don't have one that's uh that's why i'm here so that's for your convenience <laughs> for your convenience you can go on up to the lounge anytime you want and watch no one perform oh that's the best thanks Mm-hmm. weirdly though still lots of jizz everywhere <laughs> jokes yeah that's a pretty good one i'm pretty happy with that anyway uh yeah, I would honestly probably be doing the same thing, using my, my force powers for some sleazy bullshit. Uh, although I would more likely be using them for confidence schemes and heists, because that's fun to me. Yeah, I can see that. I would I would definitely yeah. be one of those ones where Luke's like, come on, join our academy. And I'd be like, Ugh, do I have to? Blah, fine. No. And they'd be like, hey, go run through I mean, this track and lift boulders. And I'd be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> what, kind of, what sort of challenge would you force Luke to endure before you like, go with it? All him? right, Luke, here's the challenge. You got to go to the buffet and get me, I don't know, 27 lobster tails, and then I'll go with you. Little does Luke know there is Listen no here, lobster Luke. tail at this cheap ass buffet. <laughs> Listen here, Luke, we're going to walk over to Star Mermaid, and you need to drink every flavor of frozen daiquiri. <laughs> and then I'll then I'll go with you. Uh, yeah, get get your brain that cold and then try to touch my, sta yeah, my space. Yeah, that's nub. right. I'm going to get you absolutely fucking blasted, and then we'll see who's a Jedi Master. <laughs> and then meanwhile, I'd just be right there using the Force to take his wallet. <laughs> Not like by force, literally, literally just like lifting it out of his pants and, t and walking away with it. Uh. And then he'd be like, why not join my academy and learn to be a better person? And I'd be like, I will definitely do that. Uh, definitely did not just steal your wallet again. <laughs> let me let me ask you, do the, the students, do they have wallets? 
I'm really big on this wallet stealing curriculum. If there's one thing I want, it's all the money that Gantoris has. <laughs> He's rich, right? He's like some sort of world leader. He's some kind of guy. Yeah, some some sort. Okay. Uh let's see. The next one's from Slings and Arrows. Uh, we can simpl- simplify this one pretty quickly. Would you ever consider reviewing a comic? The old Marvel comics are generally awful, but the Dark Horse ones actually have some really cool stuff in them, as well as crazy Star Wars bullshit. I I really like the X-Wing Rogue Squadron comics from the 90s. Uh, I don't know that a, a comic review would work for us. They're very, you know, visually driven. Yeah, and it would... Hard I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be hard to get. You'd have to get the ability for both of us to read it and it would also end up being something where you'd go through it very quickly. Yeah, that's the problem, is that you'll you'll buy some omnibus of the old Dark Horse Star Wars stuff and realize that all of it collected adds up to about one book. Yeah, you'll be like, all right, well, I got a whole giant thing, and, you know, about every six comics or so is going to be maybe one episode. Yeah, I mean, I love them and all. I've read a bunch of the old Star Wars comics. I especially like the ones from, like, pre-Dark Horse era, back with the old Marvel ones from immediately after Star Wars wrapped up, and they're just dumb as hell. Oh, yeah, they're just like, oh, we got to do whatever the fuck we want. Neat. Yeah, just start introducing aliens. Put Vader everywhere. Constantly Vader. He's just got all kinds of schemes. He's like the Gargamel of the stars. <laughs> just has done. He's, I'll get you next time, Jedi. That was a good era for him. Uh, it's true. So, I mean, th- we have kind of the same problem with comics that we do with trying to read young adult or child Star Wars fiction. The bang for buck isn't great. We end up having to buy a lot of it. And it do- it just doesn't last long enough to make for good, compelling, long-term entertainment. And he, I, fi- I yeah. kind of feel bad but- making fun of stuff that's like, here's a thing for kids. And you're like, yeah, of course, it's kind of dumb. It's for kids. Who cares? You can't let yourself fall down that rabbit hole. Remember that that's how they try to defend the holiday yeah, special. Yeah, well. Uh, okay, what uh, else we got? All right. This one is from, let's see, Lindworm. How would you write a scene of dialogue between Chewbacca and R2-D2? Please provide an example with at least one instance of the word Harn. Oh, well, I mean... Ultimately, the easiest way to actually write it would just be to say that Chewbacca and R2-D2 are having a conversation in the background. And The way I would write it is you just write it out without beeps and boops or horns and gurgles. You just have them talk to each other Mm because Chewbacca's fucking smart and you establish, yeah, no, he speaks the fucking basic beepity boops that R2 does. And, you know, R2 is a droid and can just have... Uh, sheer wook or whatever programmed in and they just talk about what assholes everyone else is (laughs) that would be great hey what's up r2 oh hey chewbacca how you doing oh you know not invested don't really care same (laughs) yeah i'll uh i'll perk up if i get a chance to murder someone in comical fashion oh me too oh man we should be best of friends why don't we become best of friends and you know not what's tell great? Anybody? No one can tell what we're saying right now except for 3PO, and nobody cares about that guy. Yeah, 3PO fucking I sucks, am you. I right? I'm right over here. Remember when I had to carry Please. him around? Shut up. <laughs> nerd. Get out of here, nerd. 
Don't make me take you apart again. Uh, R2 and Chewbacca, just the revenge of the nerds jocks in the background of every scene. <laughs> yeah, I kind of prefer the idea that they're like Akewood grade, like low rent stoner types. I just, I'm just imagining. Just sort of hanging out back. What's up? Nothing. I'm imagining Luke being like, trying to explain the force to someone. And he's like, and it flows around you and in you and it connects everything. And just in the background, you hear, and it's just translated nerd. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in, I'm digging this characterization. We're coming up with as we do that. They're both just disaffected assholes who have been hanging around the whole time. Cause they've got nothing better to do. They're basically just the, uh, (laughs) The Silent Bob uh, and God, what's the other guy's name? Jay and Silent Bob of uh, of Just Star Wars. Real dirtbags. Total dirtbags. Like if they didn't have to be in Leia's apartment all the fucking time, they'd just be leaning up against the wall of some sort of Star Quick <laughs> stuff. All just hanging out outside of fucking Jexter Dexter's diner. <laughs> yeah, are too pissed off because Chewbacca killed the forty. <laughs> You fuck, I needed some of that. Uh, there you go. There it is. All right. That's pretty much how... Oh, and then, of course, we need the fade out where the two of them are having this kind of gross discussion. And then we, we go back to Luke's perspective. Beep, beep, boop, boop. Harn. Boopity beep. Rawr. Yeah. Uh, Gee, I, I wonder what oh, they're talking man. about. <laughs> Sounds like Chewie's angry and he's trying to fix R2 and he doesn't like it. Oh, goodness. And meanwhile, in the background, they're just like, no, I'm telling you, huge ones. Naturals. <laughs> to squeeze knock, Beesnatch. <laughs> Woo! Uh, from Phil's the Spooky States, Jedi Search, is there anything in this book that strikes you as a particular hallmark of Kevin J. Anderson when compared to his other work? And we already got into that in some great detail earlier when we mentioned how uh, he's, you know, a prolific writer who knows how to hit marks, but every idea he has is a nine-year-old's idea. Oh, yeah. It's... And this book, this book feeds right into that. It's just very, like, you can't hit me, nah, I have a secret force field of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And all the villains have to layer on the villainy. So you got this Morith dual character who's like, yes, I'm an evil backstabbing mining weirdo who rose to the top through backstabbing. Okay, I get it. You're very evil. Also, I hired a murderer as my number two and watched him murder other people. Got it. I have a rape dungeon where I keep rape slaves, and then I force my children to be work slaves till I kill them. Okay, okay, I get it. I, it's cool. We get it. Yo, You're horrible. I understand. You should die. We all get it. Also, I eat gross bugs. Yeah, that's fine. Mm, yeah. After the after the first ones, I I feel like you could have skipped <laughs> I that. I feel like you probably shouldn't have ended on that one. You 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 have to learn how to put the lead at the right spot, but you could you should have led with the I eat gross bugs one. <laughs> now it just feels awkward. Mm. Uh, okay, uh, what else uh, what do we have What do you think here? is at the root of why R2 and Chewbacca never get anything to do in these books? 
Oh, well, I think we've we've well established that at this point. It's because they don't want to do anything in the books. We don't usually see it, but the occasional times in the books when people are like, hey, uh, hey, Chewbacca, can you take care of this? He just kind of goes, which is, you know, fuck you in, in Shrewook, and they just deal with I it. I mean, from a writer perspective, I assume they never do anything with them because it's it would be harder to get into the mind or motivation of either of these two. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. Chewbacca, I think you could definitely do from the perspective of there are books you can. Yeah, there are, there are books in the, out there. Well, I don't think there's a whole Chewbacca one. There's a number of books where he gets whole chapters to himself. Yeah. I think Chewbacca's easy enough to do, but because he's not, a human character most writers aren't going to try and do that uh well yeah and i think a lot of people who get into writing these eu novels about the original trilogy people get into them because they want to write luke leia and han stories now and when they're like well i I have this big stable i can also use chewbacca oh yeah i mean especially the way that we see them use chewbacca you're like oh that's just telling on what you think of this character which is Oh, that's just the weird dog that hangs around on Solo. <laughs> what do we know about Chewbacca? Well, he can tear arms off. Better mention that several times. And with R2, I feel like he gets established as being too competent and hyper good at everything to the point where if you were to have a chapter from his point of view, it would just be like, all right, well, I hacked every security system, and then I also rewrote all of the files that they have in here so they wouldn't be able to find us. I remotely started up several Star Destroyers and had them go and do stuff, and I don't know, uh, I also murdered several people with a a fucking flamethrower that I have. Anyway, I'm R2. Beep boop. Yeah, ever since they actually did give him a, a a highlight moment in one of the prequels, and he used it to like dump an oil slick, light it on fire, and death blossom stormtroopers. It's been like, yeah, this guy's a badass. We don't really need to follow him. Yeah, anywhere. no. Anytime and we see R two do anything, people, he does it perfectly. Yeah, the 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 problem being that the couple times we've seen R two and C three PO specific chapters, they hamstring the droids with rules that no one ever had yeah. before. Like the uh, the book we read where they were like, neither of us can fly a spaceship. Droids can't fly. Yeah, oh, and we can't disobey a direct order from a human. That's part of one of our three laws of robotics we have. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is this? This this is baggage some author yeah. brought with them. So, yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it. I would now, now that we've come up with our characterizations for Chewbacca and R2, I would like to see that book. <laughs> I would like to see it. That's just the two of them. The two of <laughs> I would like to see the baby. Uh, <laughs> no, but just a story where they reluctantly go on an adventure that they absolutely don't oh, want yeah. to. Like, everyone else is off doing usual EU bullshit. Oh, Han's kidnapped Leia to marry her again. (laughs) It would be very amusing to have an entire book that centers around them, and you just get bare snippets of what the main plot would have been while they're doing their own dumb Mm -hmm. bullshit. And like, ah, they're trying to, like, con some guy out of giving them 20 bucks. Meanwhile, Luke is fighting a Sith somewhere. (laughs) 
That's it. The two of them are working a two-man pigeon drop on some unsuspecting Coruscant businessman. And then, like, a ship larger than the Executor pops in out of hyperspace. Luke standing on its deck and fighting five Sith Lords. And then they look up. Huh. And then it just warps away again. Okay, so look, buddy. I gave you two tens. Now give me two twenties. <laughs> yeah, that's the story I want. Thank you. Please make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that now. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, from Havoc 4, even given how much stuff gets overexplained in EU content, is there anything you wanted to see more of but never actually got? Uh... Wow, that's that's tricky because, honestly, I've almost invariably hated everything. Yeah, the, that's the problem uh, is it, I can yeah. think of like, oh, what stuff I don't know, but I'm like, I don't care and don't want to know. I don't need them to explain, like, the toilet situation on the Falcon. Like, that's not a thing I need. I mean, luckily, the Mandalorian show did finally show us what a toilet in Star Wars looks like. And it just looks like a toilet. Good. Yeah, so in case you were really curious, if it was burning a hole in your head, now we know. It's in the first episode mm. of Mandalorian. Uh, okay, so I guess one of the things I'm really curious about is the storyline between Zaveri hmm. and Han. Because the storyline for it doesn't make any fucking sense, and it sounds awful. And I'm very curious, like, what the shit happened that le led to a situation where Han, young, rebellious, not in the Empire learning piloting, and not on Coruscant either, but instead sleeping up to his neck in mud back-to-back -back with a stage magician. I want to know how that got to there. I mean, I get it, but I understand, and I feel like that was a character that was like, oh, this probably, like, someone's gonna want to pick this one up and run with it. No, no one cares. No, no, it's very yeah. went nowhere. Because it was so weird to be like, I mean, hey, I've got a long, complicated, tangled history with you, Han Solo. Let's not discuss it. Bye! Yeah, and when you do finally learn about it, you're like, no, that can't possibly be Han's backstory. He doesn't have time in his backstory for a, a year-long campaign against some random Imperial. I mean, eh, he's got so much stuff in his backstory at this point that... Whatever. I, I think he, like, dilates time around himself. No, he ha he has to at this point, because between the movie, also he has two trilogies dedicated to him pre-Empire. Yep. No, the dude, the dude's got had a busy life, a very busy life indeed. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want that story just because it wouldn't fit into anything else, and it would be kind of neat to read, a, to, to see, like... I think that was Barbara Hambly writing Crystal Star. I would uh, no Vonda McIntyre. I would love to know where th the character was supposed to be coming from and why. Like, like what the heck was any of that backstory? And why did you think this character was compelling? Ugh. I mean, especially given that having read the book, the only reason I know that character was a stage magician is because I also read her Wikipedia article. Ugh. Very confusing, and I wanted a few more details on an yep, unusual character. I think we have time for maybe one or two more of these, John, and then we got to talk about the next book. All right. Uh, let's see. What's a really good one? Nah, 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 nah. None of them. You all disappoint me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think uh, actually the, the Waffle Squad one of, do you have any theories or explanations as to why Leia is treated equally horrible in every book? 
like across multiple authors always written in a similar way of being just kind of self-absorbed out of touch bad at everything <laughs> yeah and actually there's a there's a question from from moonbeam as well that is effectively the same thing why can so few of these authors write leia in a way that is consistent with their characterizations in the movies so so what's the problem why are people so bad at leia and i have theories i i feel like it's because they've kind of siloed our three heroes into types of adventures like Luke does mysticism quests in a lot of these books where he has to go to planets and sit there and meditate until he learns of the secret ancient evil that befell, befell the people here. Han has to do his quests where he goes and talks to pre-rebellion contacts. And Leia is the government. Yeah, I think as soon as anyone established Leia as being like... Oh, you're you're an ambassador now. We've decided that the thing we are putting you in these books going forward is like high-ranking official. And at that point, I feel like it just trapped everyone as far as what they could do with her, and they still I assume contractually have to use her for stuff, but Nobody cares about that aspect of Star Wars, so everyone just kind of hand waves it, and when you do that, it feels like Leia is hand waving things. Yeah, and it's it's weird because it's not like it's not a fun sci-fi story to write. The story of ambassadors working to connect disparate species of people. That's what Star Trek The Next Generation was, and that show is a classic. Uh, or you could rendezvous with Rama, the the I think it's an Arthur C. Clarke and someone else novel, uh, is brilliant in that respect of how how do you establish lines of communication between people who are wildly and vastly different? Uh, it would be an interesting way for them to go with her character, but instead it's always just her whining that that other that alien species are grump are mean to her. Yeah, it's just ooh these weird green bastards don't like me and they don't give me things that I like. And they're so mean, and I just want to have a nice time. And you're like, just fucking... I understand that it's probably because no one wants to write that book. Everyone's looking to write a cool space opera adventure, and they are forced into doing this, so you're not going to give it any time. And that's what you would need to make it a decent yeah. story. Yeah, but she's got to be in the books because she's got to be in every one of the books and she has to be in them roughly as much as our other leads. So everyone has to come up with these little ambassador storylines for her and they're bad at yeah. it. I mean, the closest I think I've seen to one where I was kind of interested in the outcome was the Munto Kodri storyline. Uh, and, and, and that was so botched, it just hurt. Like, I, I've never seen her more entitled than when she was like, oh, I'm here to be the ambassador to this this species of weird werewolf forearm people but i'm spending i'm treating it like a vacation yeah i'm just gonna go swimming and have some tea my kids have been here so long that this is where they learn to swim and oh gosh i i hate their backwards kidnap Ugh. culture <laughs> i'm so mad at them like i just i i i don't get it but yeah i feel like a lot of it boils down to Leia represents the person who had to go into government. Luke can't go into government because he's a Jedi, and Han can't go into government because he's anti-establishment. Like, that's his whole point. And so that leaves Leia, unfortunately, having to be the man. And no one likes the man. Yeah. And also, they were then like, all right, we'll make her a mother. And then we'll just give her mother stories, but we don't care about mother stories, and it's the exact same problem again. 
Yeah, so there you have it. That's why Leia consistently gets bad stories. Now, I have read that there are good Leia stories out there, largely in the new canon and largely comic books that are set before the Empire, when she's like 16 and living on Alderaan. That, 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 there's some really cool stories yeah, about her at that uh, point. Yeah, she's 16 and life to go. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk, we want to talk about the next book? Let's get into it. Yeah, we don't do much with this. I mean, first thing I'm going to do is read the back of the book, uh, and then I will tell you what it's called, the year it was, the, and mostly just for people who like to buy these books and read along with us. Yeah. But here we go. The back of the book. It is a time of great turmoil. The oppressive empire is close to seizing complete control of the galaxy. The ragtag guerrilla army of the Rebel Alliance fights on, striking wherever it can. But now, something has come to light that could spell certain doom. Hidden in the Jedi ruins of Dantooine is a holocron containing a list of high-level rebel sympathizers. If that list were to fall into the hands of Darth Vader, the Rebel Alliance would lose its most valued support, and possibly the war itself. As an Imperial bioengineer who frequently visits other worlds... Dusk Mistflyer is the perfect cover for a rebel who needs to travel far and wide without arousing suspicion. And so, she agrees to help rebel spy Finn Darktrin in his quest to recover the crucial holocron. Despite help from Han, Luke, and Leia, the mission is fraught with peril. And as their journey takes them into the fiery belly of the beast that is Galactic Civil War... Dusk and Finn will learn that the hardest part of all is figuring out whose side you're on and how far you're willing to go to win. Long back. Uh, this book is The Ruins of Dantooine by Veronica Whitney Robinson with Hayden Blackman. And if uh, if that sounds like a weird story, it is set during the, the Star Wars movies. And it, this is, this, mo- this book has some uh, distinction as far as I know, it is the only novel to be branded to Star Wars Galaxies, the old MMO. Yes, indeed. We've got an MMO novel for you. Mm-hmm. A novelization of shit from the first MMO. You remember the first MMO, right? Came and went kind of badly. Uh, you had to go to visit a bar dancer who was another player before you wouldn't get killed by a rabbit outside of town. You remember that game? You remember? <sighs> and I... And I got to tell you, if you haven't ever heard of this book, if you've never heard of this one at all, you should go look it up and look at the cover because the cover is done in universe. It's done in Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah, and it is. It's a piece of art. (laughs) It's amazing. After all these books where they pay someone to basically just draw the faces of Luke, Han, and Leia again, it's nice to just see some... Really low-poly stormtroopers running around a barren, empty planet. You're like, oh boy, early 2000s computer graphics. Hooray! Is this a novelization of Red versus Blue? No, because it looks worse. <laughs> yep, it does kind of look worse. So just, uh, just know that's what we're going to be doing next. Star Wars Galaxies, The Ruins of Dantooine. All and right. I didn't check what year it came out. I think it's like 2004. Great. All right, so that's something you can look forward to. Otherwise, I guess you can go over to our other our our other website, Patreon. It's ours. It's our website. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. 
and support us at the $2 level because that unlocks. John, what does that unlock? Our bonus content where we go into Wikipedia and find dumb garbage nonsense and things of interest and bring them on out into the light so everyone can enjoy it. Yup, like a cat dragging you half of a mouse. That's what the, that's our bonus content. Look we at go this find gift the silliest I got you. things on Wikipedia. Yeah, and parade them around. We got them for you. It's a gift for the family. And we find some wild stuff. Ever since I found out about Valentine Farfalla or the Firebird Society or the Meat Lump Gang. <laughs> there are so many fascinating stories buried into the margins of, of uh, Star Wars, and we yes. help uncover them. We're, We're we are spies. <laughs> so once again, that's patreon.com slash system mastery at the $2 level. But hey, before we leave entirely, did you know that John spends October doing something extremely difficult and pointless just for you? And it's rad. <laughs> He's jerking doing it right now. Very difficult and pointless. Yeah, he jerks off all October long. And if you want to find out what it's like for John to jerk off all October long, go to his OnlyFans. <laughs> it's all Fap October here. No, he write he writes reviews of horror novels, horror movies, one a day the entire month of October. It's Horrortoberfest. That's right. At SystemMasteryPodcast.com, you can find all of those reviews. And uh, I am just about to finish up. Currently, the theme week is the Hispanic heritage. So I've got a bunch of Spanish language horror movies did some Mexico, Argentina, Guatemala. That's paid off for us in the past when we watched that House at the End of oh, Time yeah. movie. The I will say this. Uh, check out the review for Terrified. It is the Argentinian horror film. It is fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I've been reading your reviews and the one about the kids who I think it was called like they can't be afraid of tigers or something. Oh, tigers are not afraid. That was like. Yeah, that looked really good, but too sad oh, yeah. for me right now. Just, I couldn't, I, I read it, I was like, nope, no thank you. I'm glad someone made it. I cannot watch it. Yeah. Huh, but that's awesome, and you've been doing that Before for years. Before we even started the really podcast. Kind of a, uh, yeah, yeah, I believe that's true. Before we started the podcast, it was, it, you, you had asked me, I remember because it, it was my dumbass idea, but I never thought you'd do it. Oh, yeah. And, and yet, to to this day, here you are, putting me in my place by doing a thing I thought you couldn't. Yeah, here I am, continuing to do something that was your dumbass idea. Like this podcast. <laughs> hey, this particular podcast was my brother's <laughs> idea. Uh, System mastery was my idea. And I'll, I take full blame and responsibility good. for that. All right. Well, that's the couple of things that we're up to right now. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you over on the Patreon. Otherwise, do note that we take a week off on Expounded Universe episodes between books. So we'll see you in a few weeks with yet more exciting Star Wars content. Look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Elan Sleesbogiano. Harn. Harn.